Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. But when you're the speaker, like, it's just, you, you would never do that. Like, because then you feel like a hireling. Like, you're paying me this much money to come up and like, thus saith the Lord God. Like, it just doesn't feel right. So when you're the guest speaker, you just show up and you do it. And if they want to bless you, they bless you. Well, that's what we were doing. And in the end, we became very, very impoverished through this. Uh, but our faith was being tested and the Lord allowed it. Because Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the context is he could live in absolute bottom-line poverty or high-end wealth, but he learned that the Lord was in it all. And that's what God was teaching us in 1996. So I went and got a job in the flower business where my brother used to work, but I had a background in the flower business before I was even a pro surfer. So I'm working with the, you know, the, the Latino guys in the warehouse. I'm the only white guy in there and doing all this stuff and making bouquets and all this. And Tom Reedy was very generous to give me the job. But the stress on Jennifer being pregnant with Luke and having young Timmy and the other kids was just too much and take care of her mom, who's stage three, certainly now would be considered terminal cancer. And she was the one doing everything for her mom as we lived with her mom. So then there was a situation, and I tell this story because, and I've asked myself over and over, what exactly these details, exactly these details, there's, they're within the three or four day window where I went out late at night to buy gas with coins because you don't want to buy gas at the gas station with coins when other people are waiting for you this is 1996 so you go late at night no one's there you run in there hey two dollars and pennies some nickels some dimes like five six dollars in gas and we're like george Mueller. we just take it to the lord we're not going to take it to men this is the way it is right now this is the way it is on planet earth at this time and that's what we did then within the next morning or so i woke up and i was devotion was in this story and the Lord showed me how he provided for Elijah through the ravens. And he showed me I needed to quit the job in the flower business that I just got because it was just too much for Jennifer. Because I had to leave like at 5.30 in the morning. It's just too much to have all three kids and be pregnant with Luke and her mom with cancer. It's just, it was too much. There's got to be another way. So I quit the job. Then I got the call from Kobe and Sandals, who I didn't know any of those guys. They had a board meeting. They loved the Lord. They had a board meeting that morning, and God said, give, give Joy Brand money. How they got my number, I don't even know how they tracked me down. This is before cell phones. The same day, Surfry Board Shops in Oceanside, Bill Bernard decided it was a great idea to hire Joey Brand, the former pro surfer in the surf shop. I didn't know that. That day, also, in that room of 72 hours, I had to drop Timothy off at the pre-K for Santa Fe Christian Schools in Encinitas. Now, the main campus is Solana Beach. You see it when you're going down south on the right-hand side. But their pre-K campus was in Encinitas, right across the street from San Diego High School, where Jennifer went to high school. So I drove up Santa Fe, dropped off Timmy, and when I was coming back, this is all in the same 72-hour window, is right after the Elijah devotion, I'm driving, and suddenly I feel like someone's watching me, and there's a raven flying next to me with a bagel in his mouth. And I... I did one of those. It was a raven 
with a bagel in his mouth. And it was flying on my passenger side. And I was like, I just, this is my, this is what I just read. This is, and I remember I was buying gas with pennies. And the raven, he was like, you know, he was like my wingman. Like, he went with me for a while. And right as I got more toward the freeway, because I'm only about a half mile from the freeway, the five there, going this way toward Swami's, going south toward the ocean, he goes up and flies away. And I like, I like chicken skin. I was like, wow, that's the Lord. Then I get the phone call from Cobian. Then I go out there, and they give me a check for thousands of dollars. Thousands. I was hoping for 500 They gave me the check. Thanks for thinking of me. I pull over on, um, you know, Palomar Airport Road, going back toward the coast. I open the check. Like, what? It's like, I, should, I won the lottery. Like, who does this? Who gives a stranger $1,000? Someone who loves the Lord and stands before the Lord, and God says they're a raven and they're going to provide. I was buying gas with pennies within 72 hours before this moment. Then I get the call the same day that Surfride wants to hire me to work in their surf shop. And essentially, they want to hire me to be a pastor in the shop and do ministry in the surf shop for eight hours a day. So just pray with everybody and just serve them. It was a great experience. That led to coaching. That led to Billabong coaching, which led to U.S. team coaching, Chilean coaching, U.S. team coaching, and Olympic surf team coaching. All these things were connected. I was going to go hide in the flower business, and God's like, no, you're Joey Brown the surfer, and I'm going to give you a ton of money. You're going to work at a surf shop, and I'll show you how this all works. Isn't that amazing? I share that story because this is the text that I would share it in. I occasionally share it, like every few years I'll share it. But that's the way it was. That's what happened. And the lesson God told me is he is our provider. Sometimes we got to just wait on the Lord. He's got the right job. He's got the right house. He's got the right partner. He's got the right spouse. He's got, like, we just, we need to learn to wait on the Lord. At the Brook Cherith, Elijah learned to wait on the Lord. He had to wait on the Lord. What are you going to do all day but wait for the raven in the morning? Wake up, there's a raven, there's a raven in the evening. He couldn't, like, whatever he did, he couldn't go too far because the food's back here at the Brook Cherith. That's where the ravens come. And so this reminds us that we need to wait on the Lord and know he will provide for us. The Bible has so many promises that have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his children begging for bread in the, in the gates of the city. God is our provider. God promises to provide for us. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient is the trouble for today. And then when he told him how to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread, because he does. And I don't think any of us want to be buying gas with pennies anytime in the near future. But if you ever are, just remember, God had me buy gas with pennies and had people I never know give me a check for thousands of dollars. And a person I'd never met give me a good job. And by the way, he paid me three times the going rate for working retail, too. You know what he said? God's going to bless us. And he did because he opened another shop down in South Senegal County and it thrived and flourished. God is good. And in the midst of our dark time, we're called to be lights. And God might have us stand boldly with conviction before Ahab. He might have us just wait by the brook sheriff and depend upon the ravens. But he's going to provide for us. And he wants to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. And he wants to teach us he is a provider. 
We can have all the great plans in the world for finances and wealth building, but men and the forces of nature that God allows can destroy it all. You know, it's like owning property in Florida. Every time it's hurricane season, you're just like, oh, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, you just, like... What are you going to do? I think of all these people and people we love and care about in southwest Florida that either rebuild or you start over somewhere else, but that's a man or woman can receive nothing as it comes from the Lord. So if you lose everything, you got to be like Job and said, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And what do we do today, Lord? Because we're just passing through anyways. It all gets redistributed or destroyed. (laughs) So it's always about faith, your heart, people, and trusting in the Lord. So we're reminded that the provision comes from the Lord. Ahab teaches us to be courageous and stand before the Lord, to be courageous so we can stand before uh, Elijah with Ahab. But the, the ravens teach us, hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna trust in the Lord, we're going to wait on the Lord and know that he's going to provide for us. I mean, there's times we have to get our hustle on, but ultimately God is our provider. And that's what Elijah needed to know. And as his faith was strengthened, now he's going to use his faith to strengthen the widow. So we read on in verse 8 now. So we have what God taught Elijah with Ahab. We have what God taught Elijah with the ravens. And now we have what God teaches Elijah with the widow. Verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, modern Lebanon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. And by the way, this is the region that Jezebel would have been from. So one woman's this way, another woman's that way. It's God the Lord knows. Verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, please bring me a little, uh, a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives... I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go into it and and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat and die. She says, this is our last meal. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Now, by the way, it's worth noting in this chapter, I didn't point it out Tuesday, and I need to just point out right now, the word of the Lord, that phrase is used all over this chapter. So everything going on has to do with the word of the Lord. God is speaking, Elijah is believing, and whoever wants to believe with him, they're going to be blessed. The word of the Lord is all, that phrase, the word of the Lord is all over this chapter. It's God's word that's empowering the faith and the promises and the miracles in this chapter. And so God said to Elijah, hey, I told a woman to take care of you, and she's going to. So he obeys, and he goes there. Then the woman knows it's him. She says, your God, yeah, as the Lord lives, but this is my last meal. And then he says, do not fear. And it did exactly the way he said it. Everything went the way he said it would. But think about this with, with this widow. He strengthened her faith because he said in verse 13, do not fear. And what would be more fearful than your last meal thinking you and your son are going to die and starve to death? See, we can read these stories and go like, no, really, like the fear of not the fear of going to bed with no food in your house. 
Some of you have traveled with me and you know I'm, Hector gave me the nickname Squirrel. Because in my backpack, I got all kinds of stuff. I'm like prepping all the time. I'm a little baby prepper. I'm always prepared. Like when I travel with my backpack internationally, I got all kinds of stuff. And I'm ready for everything to go wrong. And above all else, if it all goes wrong, I'm going to have water and food for at least two days in my backpack. It's all over the place. They learned during World War II, with all the, all the kids during World War II, that if they had bread, this, they have all this record of these things. If the kids would, especially during the bombing and all this stuff, the kids could sleep if they had a piece of bread. If they knew they were going to wake up and there was bread, they could sleep. But if they went to bed without assurance of any food the next day, the kids would be terrorized. And there's something about that. There's something about that. We just, when we know we wake up, there's a little bit of orange juice and there's some bread or whatever. But this woman, she's going to have nothing. This is, this is it. This is the last of everything. My good friend Jim O'Connor, who helped us plant the church in Burlington, Vermont, he never told me this until years later when they moved there with their kids. We stayed in a, a rundown motel for the first week or so, trying to find work and get the church off the ground. Because he's a George Mueller kind of guy, that means he takes it to the Lord, not men. We never knew, but him and his wife and his kids ate off Bizquick for an entire week in that motel. An entire week, all they ate was Bizquick. Pancakes with no syrup. That's all they ate. But again, when you've experienced that in your life, now he's a homeowner, has a great job with benefits. He's going to retire with pension and all this stuff, working for the city of Virginia Beach, the school district and all that. These things teach you so much. You gain depth of character in these situations. Eating Bizquick, you're going to serve the Lord. He was a boss of 10 employees in a warehouse in Virginia Beach, and he owned a house. And he went with us. I talked him into going, and he followed. He was up for it. He was a deacon in Virginia and a pastor in Vermont. And he left everything he knew. He sold his house. He gave up his job. He worked at McDonald's two weeks later in in Vermont for minimum wage, dipping French fries. But that first week, they ate Bizquick. Man, we need to know what it's like to be the widow. You don't have to ask for it. If it's meant to be, you'll know. The Bible tells us when you take care of the poor, when you give to the poor, you know this verse in Proverbs, right? When you give to the poor, you're giving to the Lord. So even if you think someone's strung out and asking for food, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. You're given to the poor. And and the Bible says that God gives great dividends on your investments with him. These are things that like, Elijah's got character, man. He's going to be caught up in a train of fire. This is the real stuff. This widow, she's, this is it. And Elijah speaks faith to her, which is our final thought here with Elijah. He speaks faith to her. And like he learned the lesson of God's provision with the ravens. And now this woman's down to her last meal. And he says, give it to me. And what he's really saying is give it to the Lord. Like the widow's might. That's really like with Jesus and the widow's might when she put in all that she had. That's, this is a prelude to that. This is a foreshadow of that. He's saying, put the Lord first. He said, do not fear. Put the Lord first. Elijah is the ambassador of the Lord to her. She's not a believer. And he says, put the Lord first. Give me the first fruits. So basically give the Lord the first fruits, the tithe, if you will, your offering. Then God will keep the oil flowing and the flour coming and they will, they will not run out. A supernatural miracle. But Elijah's coming like... 
When you're in ministry, we always tell people like Brandon and Sam and these other pastors and Anthony, listen, you can't give what you don't have. That's what John Corson taught me 30 years ago in Oregon when I had lunch with him one day. He's like, look, you're going to need to give people faith, so you're going to have to live by faith. You're going to teach people to be generous, so you're going to have to be generous. You see, like, Elijah had to learn the lesson of God's provision supernaturally to be able to tell this woman, you can trust in God for supernatural provision. So if you ever come to me and say, I'm buying gas with pennies, I'm like, you know what? A guy could just call someone up right now and tell them to give you $1,000, and you'll get the call right now, and you get the... You just, you, you don't even know. Someone could walk to me like, oh, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Here, take this, you know, and hand you an envelope full of cash. Is the hand of the Lord short, or his arm shortened, or his ear clogged and he can't hear or act? Of course not. It's always about the heart, and it's always about faith. So here, the opposite of faith is fear. And Elijah says, do not fear, because she would have been fearful. He's telling her to put her faith in the living God, in his word, in his promises, and his place as a heavenly father to provide for her. That's what he's calling her to do. And she's wise enough to do it. But man, can you imagine when she made the, that she did it, she thought it was the last, like, here's your bisquick pancake. And then she gave it, like the widow's might, and then she goes back to the jar, back to the flour, like, there's flour in it. There's oil. See, when we honor the Lord with our first fruits and we live by faith, and we expect, we believe great things from God, we expect great things from God, he shows us great things. Because it's not about even the oil or the flour. It's about really believing that God is able. Like Ephesians 3 says, God is able to do above and beyond all that we could think or ask in our life to his glory in the church of Jesus Christ. He's always able. But are we willing to put him first and keep him first and let him show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him? That is the issue. And for the widow, she passed the test. So the role of Elijah with the widow was to be the encouraging word to a fearful person to trust God. And isn't that something we can all be in 2022? How obtainable is that? We can be the encouraging word. I don't need to encourage people that their hope is in politics or in this thing or that thing. I just need to encourage them to look to Jesus and know that he'll, he'll take care of them. In some ways, ministry is fairly easy. It's pointing people to Jesus all the time. That's what it is. It's, it's speaking the word. It's speaking life. It's speaking promises and igniting your faith. Because all during the day in our society and with people we live with in a fallen world, you get all this unbelief, all this negative stuff, unbelief, fear, all this stuff. But if, if we wake up and we stand in the presence of the Lord and we've been transformed from glory to glory and we hear his promises and we feel his presence and, we, and not even necessarily feel his presence, just believe his presence because he says he's with us. And we show up and we speak life and we speak promises and we speak faith and we live faith. We're, we're just, we're like Elijah. We have people like this right now. It's like, hey, Jesus is on the throne. Let's go. Come on now. Like Jonathan's armor bearer or, Eli- or uh, Esther, if we live, we live, we die, we die. But let's go, man. We're not going to live in fear. We're going to live in faith in the person, the work, the promises, and the coming glory of Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's faith, hope, and that's an anchor to the soul, as it says in Hebrews. So we are like Elijah in this way. We can be strengthened, stand in the presence of the Lord, to be courageous with people who are contrary to the Lord. And we learn those, provi- those lessons of provision and waiting on the Lord that he is going to take care of us. But as we have all this from the Lord, then we can go to someone like this widow and just 
Speak life. Exhort. Comfort. That's what prophecy is in 1 Corinthians 14. Speaking words of comfort, exhortation, and edification. That's who we can be. We can all be the prophetess and the prophet Elijah in the worlds that we travel in. If you just frame everything with a a faith-based attitude and positive perspective because Jesus is on the throne, we're going to do just fine because things go wrong. But if we really believe that things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose, we're going to see it in a positive light through the eyes of faith in Jesus. And we're going to be able to just change the narrative on everything around us because we see things based upon the promises of his word, the person of Christ, and, and what he's done. Like he fed us with the ravens and what he's going to do. He's going to take care of us. So he strengthened her faith. The latter part of the chapter, he raises her son, her son dies, and he cries out to the Lord to heal the son and restore his life. And God does heal the son and restore the life. And the child is revived. The last verse, 24, says that he, he presented the son back to her. He says, your son lives. And she said, now by this I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is truth. So in speaking faith to her and dispelling fear and uncertainty and the promises and directing her to the Lord and according to the word of the Lord, which was spoken by Elijah, and according to the word of the Lord, that in the supernatural things that God did through Elijah, proclaiming the oil and the flour and raising the son from the dead, she says, now I know. See, she knows that this Elijah represents the truth, that the gods of the Sidonians are no match. They're gods of men, but he serves the living God. Now, now I know, and ultimately, when we think about our life and the legacy of our life, we want people to know whether we're standing before the Lord and then before Ahab or on the down low receiving provision through ravens or just encouraging and exhorting people who just are down to their last wit's end of everything, They need to know we serve the living God. And we believe that we know we can't change the past. And we believe God's working in the present. And we believe there's a future and a hope for all those who call upon the living God. That's how we're to live our life with Jesus Christ in every generation. And he's a God of miracles. And I talked about this on Tuesday night. And I just close with this thought about the the oil and the flour and the raised sun These are miracles. These are supernatural things. And of course, the raven as well. And the rain not raining. When we're told in James that Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, and he prayed it wouldn't rain and it didn't, that's the Holy Spirit telling us to have the same believing, expectant faith that Elijah had to stop the rain. And that same prayer that stopped the rain raised the dead son of the widow. That same prayer changed nature and defied the laws of nature, bringing the dead back from the grave. That's, and the, the amazing thing is, in the book of James, we're told that that's what God wants in us. That, he, that he'll do that in us. We're told to pray. And so I'm challenged to pray with fervency and expectation. Because Elijah is the amazing miracle worker. He summarizes the prophets in the Old Testament. And this guy is walking miracles, calling out Ahab, fed by the ravens, the oil, the flour, the dead son raised up, all this stuff. And in it, God is glorified. And he's just doing what he's doing as unto the Lord. And we want to be people that are are believing people. We're believing God for miracles. We trust God for miracles and we expect miracles. And it's not over the top because there's a lot of realities in life. 
But we should never limit God by other people's perspectives or the devil's attack against the person of Christ and what he can do. And that's why we're told in 2 Corinthians to take every thought captive and obedient to Christ. Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge and the power and the glory of Jesus Christ. So basically that means we take the ownership to stand before the Lord, wait on the Lord, encourage and bless for the Lord, and to expect great things from the Lord. I'm expecting supernatural things in the future in my personal life. As I was yesterday, I will be tomorrow. And I hope you do the same. Because if you're looking for miracles, you will see them. So open your eyes. Be encouraged. Wake up expecting great things from God and expecting him to show himself strong on your behalf. Because whether we're in the latter part of our life or the beginning part of our life, we are people who are believing in his person, his promises, his work, and his return. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.